Blog Talk Radio. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This is the Product Purpose Kingdom Network, and I am your host, Brother Robert Pop Pop Hudson, and this is the show, Self Expressions. And tonight we're just going to go ahead and, um, if you've heard uh, my past previous broadcast on Self Expressions, um, just to recap everything, uh, I found a TV show that had scientific proof that Sodom and Gomorrah existed and also of the devastation and the destruction and the magnitude of destruction that had to be just God destroying those two cities. And as we went further, we went on to the, um, what happened in the aftermath. And the aftermath was a lot was spirited away from Sodom and Gomorrah and its destruction along with his family by angels who once they got him further enough away, they gave him instructions, and they basically said, hey, uh, keep going, do not look back. Uh, Lot's wife looked back, and she was turned to a pillow of salt. And from there, you know, Lot proceeded to go to the city of Zor, where for some reason he chose to go back to the mountains. His two daughters uh, decided to preserve the family line uh, get their father drunk and become impregnated. Uh, both children uh, that they produced, one was named Moab and uh, the other one was named Ben Ami, uh, became the basically leaders of the Moabites, which was Moab, and Ben Ami, which was the leader of the Amorites. And from there, you know, we, we just go. And each of uh, these tribes that started, you know, uh, at some point it was established that they were the sons of Lot and also the grandchildren of Lot. And so as uh, I started going on and I started reading deeper, you know, one of the things that, you know, um, I wanted to know was what was the, the, the consequences of each and everybody's decision making. And the reason why I had I came up with that because I was just wondering because during this time and I know, you know, each and every one of us, you know, as we start reading chapters in the Bible, you know, and as we start learning of, you know, uh Shem, Noah, and so on and so forth, you know, um at the same time I'm looking at the timelines and I am noticing one thing that sticks out that Shem is still alive and Noah is still alive at this time and we have Abraham. So we have these elders that are still alive. And I'm you know, as I read through the Bible and I see the destruction and the chaos that the Moabites and the Amorites are causing and uh, you know, through my last show, you know, I, I covered, you know, uh, the Moabites what they've done, and we also seen through, you know, what has happened, you know, with the Moabites, uh, how Ruth 
eventually eventually came about, and she, you know, came about as a lineage, you know, Jesus Christ. And also, um, there with the Amorites, so uh, I haven't covered the Amorites, so I'm going to do that right now this evening. And I just want to let everybody know that the uh, scriptures that I'm covering is going to be Second Peter chapter two, uh, it's going to be verses six and nine. We're also going to cover First Kings chapter eleven. We're going to go into James chapter one, verses five to eight. We're also going to go through Proverbs chapter eleven, fourteen, uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and twenty, and Acts two thirty-eight. All right. With that being said, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, before I start, you know, getting into everything, I'll, I'll go ahead and repeat those for. For anybody that's missed um, the scriptures that we're going to be covering, and let me just get back to to the Amorites. Now, the Amorites and um, you know, with Moab and the Moabites, you know, things were uh, pretty simple. They, you know, prayed to rocks. Uh, with the Amorites, they prayed to a fire god. But right now, that's not important of uh, the fire god's name uh, because they quickly. With the with the Amorites became they actually became nomads, so they never settled in one place too long. And the reason why was because Ben Ami, um, even though Moab was cruel, and his you know um, his his you know uh, command you know his uh, command of the Moabites, uh, Ben Ami was a, a very wicked man. And one of the things that, you know, uh, that's not really stated, but I've looked into research, that Ben Ami was, uh, he worshipped that fire god, and everything he did, he did through fire. If he didn't like you, um, he would, you know, burn you. Uh, And he liked burning, basically. So he was, you know, he worshipped the fire god. So Ben Ami... Um, being, you know, the the person that he was. And, you know, one of the, the perplexing things that I find uh, as we, you know, as I covered the, the Moabites and as I'm covering the Amorites, I find that, you know, even though Lot was a willing participant in their lineage and how they were, you know, how they came about being born, you know, one of the things that I was wondering is where was the daughters? And also, uh, I came to the conclusion where it was Lot. So, when I came to the conclusion where it was Lot, I had just wanted to go over a lot again. And a lot of people want to know, or may not know, who, who Lot is. So, let me just go over Lot real quick. So, Lot is a nephew of Abraham. And Abraham, you know, God really loved Abraham. God loved Abraham. God always you know, promise Abraham that, you know, whatever happens, you know, I'll make sure that you're protected. I'll make sure your family's protected. I'll make sure that whatever, you know, you need, I'll make sure you'll be able to sustain. Um, Lot was very close to his uncle, and Lot was so close to his uncle, they thought he was, you know, his son at times. Some people would think he was his son. But Lot went through a lot of things. You know, Lot uh, you know, he he went through uh, so much. You know, he was kidnapped at one time, you know, and through all that, Lot, you know, remembered 
you know, his teachings and how God has brought Abraham and kept Abraham, Lot knew that God would do the same for him. So when he fell into the land of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and I believe that uh, from, you know, what I read in the Bible, that he was living on the outskirts of Sodom. And, you know, the God and the angels visit Abraham, and uh, they also, the angels visit Lot. And Lot, you know, from there, the uh, men from Sodom and Gomorrah went crazy and was trying to uh, basically rape the angels. And, you know, Lot was trying to intervene, and he couldn't. And one of the things that happened was the angels just said, hey, listen, now we got a commandment from God. God does not like what's going on here. And they set about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But first, they wanted to get Lot and his family out of there or anyone he considered his family. He tried to get his son-in-laws. Uh, they wouldn't leave. It, you know, and so they whisked Lot and his family away. And, you know, Lot's wife turned back during the destruction, which they were instructed not to look back, just keep going. And she did. So this is going to take me basically to my uh, first scripture, which is going to be Second uh, Peter, verses two, six, and nine. But before we get there, I just you know want to just put this understanding out there. Now a lot has has went through all this, um, and at this point, you know, a lot is basically, you know, he's a religious man. And I think Lot is having questions. And the reason why I say that is that Lot, at a certain point, when some things happen, you know, out of, you know, out of your control, you have to, you know, you have a, a amount of responsibility to act or react. And I, I've seen, you know, from, I guess, from the chaos that the Amorites and the Moabites are doing, that he chose not to. And that's why I, I bring up the lineage of Lot and his relationship because Shem, basically his great-great-grandfather is still alive and, and Noah is still alive and Abraham is still alive. You know, a lot of times when, you know, we go through scriptures of the Bible, we actually don't really have a, a gauge of the timeline of what, what's going on and where certain people are and what they're doing. A lot of these timelines, they they intercede or they intersect with each other, but just because they're not mentioned does not mean they, they don't exist any longer. Don't forget Shem lived uh, some 900-plus years, and so did Noah. And at this time, you know, you're, you're basically looking, you know, at a, a, a maybe three or four generations of leadership of men that's still living. And so you would have to, you know, have to think at some point, their relatives, their blood relatives, and they have to be some kind of council format. I guess at some point, even though it's not mentioned, you would figure that there would be some sort of council form. And I'm quite sure that they would probably be aware of what's going on. So I think what Lot did when Lot chose to leave Zor and go back to the cave, I think Lot just didn't know what to do. And he just figured that he would stay in that cave and pray and meditate. So we're going to go over to First Peter chapter 2, 6, and 9, and we're just going to go ahead and read that. So I'm going to go old school. I'm, I'm going to read from my Bible. So 
Uh, just give me a second. And I'll give you a second too also so we get to uh actually second Peter chapter two, six and nine. Okay, so we're gonna get to second Peter chapter six and nine. All right, and we're there. I'm there. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and read second Peter second Peter chapter two verses six and nine. And it reads, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would have ungodly, who, I mean, would live ungodly, and deliver righteousness, Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them torment his righteousness his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And so, you know, for reading that, um, and, you know, this is this is probably going to be, you know, unless, like I said, I've been reading, reading, unless there's a uh, somebody that can, you know, pretty much dispute what I'm saying. So I do, I do believe that Zor being in close proximity to Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Zor, once he got there, he realized that this city is no better than Sodom and Gomorrah. Because in this city, they still are partaking in sin. Maybe not at the great magnitude that Sodom and Gomorrah was doing, but this is a city I don't want to settle in, so he chose to go back to the cave. And, you know, with that, you know, there is this this whole um, whole thing that, that God does, that especially in, in the Old Testament, where he knew that, you know, he didn't send his savior yet, but yet he also wants to give us a chance to, you know, in our own, learn how to be close to him. And I do, I do believe that Lot became, you know, uh, what, we, what you would call is he just became a recluse where he just chose to just stay, meditate, and pray in the cave, even though they're, you know, he's aware of some things that's happening. And I'm quite sure that, you know, the council of the elders, which was Shem, Noah, and Abraham, because they all, you know, they never left that close proximity of where, you know, they they grew up and, and where they settled. They still were alive. And I do believe that at some point they couldn't reach Lot. And Lot chose to stay in the cave, pray and meditate, because he felt as though this was something that, he couldn't change. Uh, he probably prayed and meditated, you know, basically to the end of his days to God to forgive him. But when you, you know, we got to realize that when we ask for forgiveness, God, you know, expects us to take action, not just sit, pray, and meditate. You know, when you do that, you have that ostrich mentality where you feel as though if you stick your head in the sand 
anything around you, it just doesn't exist. It's just your head's in the sand. You don't hear or see anything else. So Lot chose to take the ostrich approach where he's just not going to take any action at all. Well, as we know, as time goes by, you know, God has, you know, set forth motions because he knows what we're going to do, but it's not it's not that he's not going to give us a chance to change anything. You know, ultimately it's up to us. And so I'm going to go, you know, uh, further down the line in time just to let you know how God works. Now, God knew, and some certain people knew, that the Moabites and the Amorites uh, were lot. And God wanted to, you know, even though, like Abraham, he favored Lot because Lot was a righteous man. Um, not because, you know, he made him not making some of the right choices. He still was a righteous man. And you say, well, why would God favor still, still favor him if he was a righteous man? Well, just because you're righteous doesn't mean everything goes right. When you're righteous, sometimes there are things that goes wrong. It's just the way or the course of action that you take, okay, because of Lot's course of action does not take away him being a righteous man. And we just can't forget just because people basically take a course of action that we wouldn't normally do or we would say, oh, I think he made a bad decision there. Well, Lot chose to live with that. And Lot, to the end of his day, sat in a cave and prayed to God. And even though God may have nudged him or probably tried to guide him to get out of that cave and take action, Lot chose to sit there and continue to pray to God because either he didn't have the strength, he didn't have the will, or he just didn't want to. And there's so many people in the Bible that have, Rejected God's guidance and, and you know his his actions for them. You know everybody that has been born doesn't have that mentality where everything is simple and, and straightforward like Samson. You know Samson killed many of the enemies. You know Samson in his dying days said, "Grant me strength to just kill more enemies," and God granted him that. But everything is not simple and straightforward like that. You know, this is a, a tough decision that Lot had to make. And, you know, even though God has basically set up everything to run perfect, but sometimes you would figure, like, let's take, for example, and this does directly coincide with what's going on with the Moabites and the Amalekites. You know, God, um, you know, loved King David. He was a man of his own heart. But King David made some wrong choices. King David had Bathsheba's husband basically, you know, set up to where it was where he would eventually be killed. And it happened, and he took Bathsheba as his wife. Well, in the course of that, you know, Solomon was born, his son. And he eventually became King Solomon. And at the age of 15, David became ill where he was no longer able to rule over the kingdom. And King Solomon 
became well, fifteen-year-old uh, Solomon became King Solomon. And a lot of things he did was a lot of wise decisions. But one of the things that his father tried to advise him is, says, you know, please remember and and don't follow after trying not to lust. Well, it seems to be sometimes if we forewarn somebody, it seems to be when we run into trouble. So at that time, Solomon, as he was growing up and he became of age, where he can take up a wife, well, you know, as we, you know, we hear things and we say, hey, you know, don't, uh, hey, you know what, I think that's a family member. I think that's going to be a first cousin. So he fell in love with an Amorite woman. And when he fell in love with that Amorite woman, you know, he did some things that was unwise as far as some of his choices. Later, correct some things. But we can go to First Kings chapter 11. And we can go ahead and talk about uh, some of the choices that King Solomon made. So uh, let's just go ahead, and I'm going to open my Bible. We're going to go to First Kings chapter 11, and we'll go ahead and discuss that. Okay. Like I said, I'm going old school, so I'm just going to go ahead and get there to First Kings uh, chapter 11. So, okay, we're there. All right. All right, so we'll go. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites, Amorites, Edmonites, Simonites, and Hittites, from the nations of, of whom the Lord has said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines. And his wives turned away his heart, for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord, his God as was the heart of his father David. But Solomon went after, uh, like, Astra heathen, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milochrons and uh, emanations of the Amorites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not, fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high palace, a high place for Tomash, the abomination of Moab, and on a hill that is east of Jerusalem and for uh, Moabite, the abomination of the people of Ammon, which is basically the Ammonites. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives, incense, and in sacrifice to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. And had commanded him concerning this thing, that he, that he should not 
go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father, David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. And we're going to end right there. And, you know, it goes to tell you that, you know, even though we, we thought out with good intentions and then, you know, all of a sudden we found out a favor with God, you know, one of the, you know, the things that God said to him is because he wanted to continue on, you know, with Dave, his father David started. And what ended up happening is now that he's telling him that, you know, your lineage as far as rulership over Israel is going to end because of your sins. And, you know, even though Solomon tried to correct a lot of things, he tried to write a lot of things, but he opened up something that, you know, that was kind of hard. Uh, you're talking about a guy with 700 wives and he had love for the foreign women. And it was just as God said, you know, when you marry into, you know, what you're forbidden not to, you're going to take on, or how can you not tell her or, you know, that she wants to pray the rocks or she wants to pray the fire, that she can't do that and expect her to be willingly loving you. So it was going to be a problem. Solomon did not foresee it, even though he's been noted as being one of the wisest kings. Um, he's like one of the, you know, one of the few that's in the Bible that's also been quoted in the Quran, the Torah, um, and so many, like at least seven different Bibles where, you know, he has a, a, you know, he has a chapter. In the Bible, he has three. So we understand how powerful and how recognized Solomon is, but he still feels that, you know, even though he's, was noted as one of the wisest kings, he still failed to follow what God had given him. And it's basically how the the kingdom of Israel, as far as king rulership, was ended. What happened basically was, even though God did not wipe out, because basically he will be wiping out the lineage of Jesus, basically what he did was he put an end to kings. And you say, well, wow, what? Wow, what happened there? Wow, Solomon, yes, he did. He unpleased God just that much that he put the he put an end to the king's rulers in uh, Israel. So there were no longer any more kings after Solomon. Now we're talking about you know wrong choices. Now we talked about lies. We talked about King Solomon. So. You know, we're we're talking basically where if you were more active or you're more obedient, you know, we could prevent a lot of things. So let's just talk about how, you know, how to make the right choices. You know, that's going to take us to uh, James chapter 1, uh, I believe it's 5 through 8. And 
before we go there, like I said, I'm going old school. I'm going to grab my Bible and get there. Um, and while we're going to, before we get there, I just want to let you know this is the Project Compass Kingdom Network, and we're broadcasting on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And if you're online, you want to call in, you can call in at 323-870-4174. Um, anytime you want to talk to me, the host, you can press the number 1. So we're going to go to First Kings. Can we go? Yeah, we're going to that. I'm sorry. We're going to James chapter 1, 5 through 8. So we're going to James. Almost there. All right, so I'm, at, I'm right there. So, if any of you lack wisdom, let him act of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will, it will, he give it, women. Let me start that again. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Will he give him to him? But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minted man, unsuitable in all ways. Okay, and praise God for that. That was um, James chapter 1, 5 and 8. And just, you know, just going back to how to make it right, you know, you know, we also have, you know, someone else we can go to, uh, you know, seeking for wisdom. Basically, it's to ask God for wisdom. You know, sometimes our problems seem to be laid before us, and then before we even ask a question, you know, we think we have the answer. You know, the answer is not just bearing our head in the sand and just hoping things go away, or not just saying, you know, one of the one of the most unwise decisions that you can make is making no decision. You know, making a decision whether it's good or bad, it gives you a gauge of where you're at and where you're heading. You know, a, a lot of times, a lot of people, uh, you know, find themselves, you know, just sitting there not learning life lessons in the sand that well maybe it go away or maybe it disappear or maybe um you know at the time you know something will work out without taking action. You know, one of the things that we have to learn is that, you know, we have to be proactive, not reactive. And when I say that as being proactive is when, you know, you get an electric bill or you get a you know or you get a, a fine or something like that. You know, just because you toss that bill in the trash, just because you toss that fine in the trash, does not mean it goes away. It'll come back. It may double. But we have to make a decision. We have to have a reaction to that. We can just 
either contact him and say, hey, I don't have the money this time, but can you give me, you know, just give me some leeway? Can you give me some time? Communicating and also letting people know your attention. There's a lot of times people, you know, it depends on your reaction, how they're going to react to, you know, to what they perceive you doing. You know, if you've been fine and they don't hear from you, they figure, okay, you know what, you don't respect us, let's build up the fine, or something like that in that nature. You know, so we all always should ask God for wisdom, and that's one of the uh, the best things that we can do is, is ask God for wisdom. You know, ask, go right to the source, ask him yourself, ask him for wisdom. Don't wait for things to compound, you know, on top of each, you know, each other or one after the other. Because if you ignore one thing, next thing you know, another is coming. You know, we have to make sure that we stay proactive in, in that that part. And that's actually going to take us to, you know, one other advice I'm going to give you is Proverbs chapter 11, verses 14. And we're going to go ahead to Proverbs chapter 11, verses 14. Let's see. All right, just uh, give me a second. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 14. All right, almost there. There we go. Right there. All right, 11, 14. All right, where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. And, you know, it's basically, you know, one of the best things that we can do, and that's why I was mentioning earlier how Shem and Noah and Abraham was around. When you see the counsel of elders, and, you know, that's the best thing about, you know, seeking advice from others. Sometimes we can seek advice from some of our peers, one of the best ways, you know, that we can do things is seeking the counsel of our elders. And I believe that Lot failed to do that. But and a lot of times, you know, especially right nowadays, I don't understand, well, I don't see where, you know, necessarily where you have a council of three generations of your elders as far as your grandfather and great-grandfather and your great-great-grandfather. Um, sometimes it's just not possible because people don't live as long as, They've done in, you know, the book of Genesis. But we can counsel our peers or our friends or even, um, you know, someone that we look up to, someone that we feel those righteous or somebody that can help us, you know, in our walk in life. And, you know, I, I just suggest that, you know, we just don't have to walk, you know, in silence and in pain. You know, if we have a problem, we have something that we can't seem to work out, you know, seeking the counsels or elders or our friends, I think that's a great idea of, of how to work things out as far as, you know, what you're going through. You know, we are, are always going to be experiencing some things that's going to be seen to happen over and over again. Like it seems like we're going to be going through Groundhog Day time and time again. But, you know, when, you know, when we go through that, we have to understand we're not the only ones that have been through that. You know, we have, you know, elders, you know. We just 
you know, we just can't just sit there and just hoping that our problems go away without taking action. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, um, I just want to put out there we are that that word pro, you know, proactive. We have to be proactive. You know, and we um, you know, we're always going to be going through times where, you know, we we're going to just have to make sure we if we make a mistake that there is a pathway or there is a way. You know, like I said, she can do counsel to elders. You know, and there's things that, that happen to, you know, like uh, Jesus and his disciples. You know, you can always question, like, what did Peter do after he denied Christ? Or what did Paul do after, you know, persecuting the church? You know, and that's just, you know, just a small example. You know, and actually, you know, what did, you know, uh, Peter do after you know, he denied Christ? Um, I believe. Okay. So it, it does believe that I, I, well, I do believe I incorrectly wrote down the scripture for for Matthew, but I do have what Paul did after persecuting the church, and that's going to be First Timothy, chapter twelve and seventeen, chapter twelve through seventeen. So we're going to go, we're going to go ahead there over there to First Timothy. Uh, and it's going to be verses 12 through 17. So I'm going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 through 17. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read. But these, like nature, brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of things, they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who counted pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are, you know, spots and blushes, carousing in their own deceptions while they cease with you. Heaven eyes full of adultery and cannot cease the, from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in coercive practice and are accused children. They have forsaken the right way and have gone astray. But, uh, you know what? I am sorry. I am actually reading Second Peter. Hold on. And we get to. I don't know how I missed that. Okay. All right. Let's just go back uh, here, and we're going to go to chapter 2, Timothy, verses 12. Um, sorry if I confused anyone, but uh, here we go. First Timothy, chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. All right? And I thank Christ, I and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, I obtained mercy because I did not ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord 
was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance and Christ Jesus came on to the, to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now, to the King eternal, immoral, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, and that was First uh, Timothy chapter one, twelve through seventeen. And um, you know that's what Paul did after persecuting the church. You know, a lot of times um, we, we may we may overdo things, you know, but that's Paul. Paul was always before he became righteous. Paul was over, always overzealous, overzealous, and that's what led him to Christ. Because Christ knew at the right time to grab a hold of him. You know, but we're talking about Paul. We, you know, Paul and Lot are different people. So we're talking about Paul. And we're also talking about people that interfered, you know, with, you know, King Solomon, as I explained, how he not only married an Amorite, he also married, intermarried uh, a lot of foreigners that were not supposed to be married. And specifically, the Moabites and the Amorites, which were not, you know, supposed to be intermarried. But, you know, his lesson, his own personal reason, King Solomon intermarried them. And that's why I wanted to go into, you know, an example of that's one of the wrong reasons of, you know, doing things that we're not supposed to do. And I just want to refer to Paul because, uh, also, you know, Paul was a sinner that became a saint. When we became a saint, and we have to understand that the magnification of us changing and transforming, it's pretty much the same. You know, if you had the personality of, uh, you know, I'm going to go all out and I'm going to be a go-getter, I'm going to make sure that what I'm after I get, well, that's how Paul was. Paul was after souls. Paul wanted to make sure that he was a, a, a go-getter. He wanted to make sure that the church was in order. It was the same way when he was persecuting people. He wanted to make sure they were in order. They need to get in order. They get in order. He would kill them. But Paul, he changed. He wasn't. He didn't have the sword. He had the word of God, and he would just tongue lash you. And if he felt as though you didn't have things in order, and that's how Paul was. But he also knew that, you know, his way, the way he acted is always not effective. And he, he apologized, you know, he apologized. Like, you know, hey, you know, basically he was saying that, you know, the word of God is going to prevail anyway at the end of the day. You know, no matter how I do it or how you do it, but I just want to let everybody know this is where I stand this is how I want to do it. All right, so um, we're going to go into the call of salvation. We're going to do the announcements. Then we're going to just wrap everything up. And in wrapping everything up, 
uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, we get a good understanding of, you know, making the right choice and also standing by our decisions. You know, the consequences of our decisions, you know, it goes a long way. You know, it goes to our friends, our family, and how, you know, making our decisions can affect others. You know, you have a personal responsibility for your salvation. You know, after you seek it, you you get your salvation, then you can go out and, you know, you can, like I said, if you can't do or achieve salvation for yourself, there's no way you can talk or, or, or just let anyone know about salvation. So take care of yourself first. Make sure that you have one accord with our God in heaven. And one of the ways we can just make sure that we solidify that is just let him know and acknowledge that he sacrificed his only begotten son for our sins here on earth. When he did that, it was the bond he created. And through Jesus Christ, we get to know him. And if there's a way that anybody out there just can't figure out how to make that connection, let me just um, explain how I've done it. You know, how I've done it, I, I was so hard-headed that I should have done it way long ago than what, I've, than what I've done. And what I did, I understood that I actually was at a, part, a point where I, was, I had to surrender because I just would just try each and every way I, I, you know, that I can, and everything always seemed to fall apart. But when I became, you know, a, you know, I became born again, and I said, you know, God, I just surrender my life to you. You know, I believe that you have gave your only begotten son to also give you a chance to be closer to you. Because without him dying on the cross for me, I would never be saved. And I just thank you so much for your offer, for offering and also a choice, a light at the end of the tunnel of me accepting Christ in my life where I've just become a new being. Why just see and seek out a new way of life? You know, once you do that, you just, you know, just accept him, believe and confess, you know. And when you confess, you just let everybody know. Say, hey, God, or excuse me, hey, mom, dad, uh, brother or sister or friend, you know, I, I found a new way of life. I, I converted over a new way of life, and it's through Jesus Christ. And I just want to let you know that I am a citizen. I am a kingdom citizen. I, I'm going to become a kingdom citizen of heaven. And just let them know, just profess your joy and your love and how you're overwhelmed of just turning your life over. You know, the next thing I suggest you do is find a Bible-believing teaching sanctuary there, no true word of Christ. You know, I know uh, most sanctuaries are closed now, but we have so many different virtual ways of celebrating, you know, in the sanctuary, through Zoom, Facebook. Uh, and if you can't find, you know, that, Church Sanctuary. This is a church without walls here at Purpose Kingdom Network. And this is what I like about Purpose Kingdom Network is that you can be here with us each and every night that we broadcast. You know, uh, whether you're on the phone or online, if you want to join us online, you go to www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. And that way you can just get a night of ministry. And if not, you can always call us at 323 870 4174 
or 319-527-6091. We can hear United Ministry. Don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, thank you so much. Anytime you just want to communicate us, communicate with us through email, you can email us at purposekingdomnet at gmail.com. You can send comments, questions, concerns. You can simply say hello or send a prayer with us. We gladly out of that. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at purpose underscore kingdom where you can uh, do likewise. Also, we invite you to like us on our Facebook page where you can see our upcoming shows and, and advertisements. And uh, don't forget to tell a friend to like us on Facebook. Um, and also through Facebook or any of our social media pages, you can get a morning word of inspiration on anchor.com or anchor FM where each and every morning that we're able to, we'll give you a morning word of inspiration. And we thank you so much for that. Uh, also, tomorrow evening at the 8 p.m. hour, we're going to have a little talk with Jesus with evangelist Trina Lindsay Hairston. And once again, we're with God's one God's blessing. We hope you join us tomorrow evening at the 8 p.m. hour for a little talk with Jesus hosted by evangelist Trina Lindsay Hairston. And, uh, you know, we thank you so much, whether you're, you know, listeners to us online or via phone, we just thank you so much uh, for joining us tonight. And don't forget to share with a friend, you know, um, any of our broadcasts that we have. And we just uh, thank you and appreciate you so much. And with that being said, that's uh, going to be the, uh, one more announcement. If you want to hear any of our past or previous broadcasts, you can go to www.blogtalkradio.com backslash purpose kingdom. We can simply uh, – Type in the show name or the host name, and you can hear that show in its entirety, and that's your convenience. And uh, we thank you so much. And with that being said, that's going to be the end of the announcements, and we're going to wrap up um, everything pretty quickly. And as I was saying, you know, before we uh, did the call of salvation, we hope um, each and any one of you that have, you know, accepted the call of salvation, um, we hope you um, make sure you tell a friend. How you change your life over to Christ. So I was basically going over, you know, the wrong things to do. And, you know, one of the, the worst things you can do is not take any actions. You know, there are, you know, far in, in between, you know, many different avenues how we can, you know, either through embarrassment or just simply, you know, um, not knowing what to do, that we make the wrong choices. And, you know, one of the things I expressed was just, the, you know, the, the choice of not doing anything. It's just not, you know, that's not the way to go. You know, and I know a lot of people have, you know, um, quoted this, and they said, you know, remember Lot's wife. But we should also remember Lot. Because Lot, you know, as we know, there's no real way of knowing what would happen if Lot had intervened or even just, you know, had just said, hey, you know what, Regardless of what happened, you know, you're my sons, you're my grandsons, and what you're doing is against what I believe and, you know, what your heritage is and your bloodline and your lineage. This is no, you know, he could have put an end to that immediately, but, you know, through time and time again, you know, even, and, and as I said, how things intersect, um, you know, just, you know, one small example, and, you know, I'm just going to go, I think I didn't mention it, but I do want to cover um, one more scripture real quickly, and that's 
Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 9 and 19. And just to let you know, you know, um, how, the, how different the times were and how a lot of things intersected. So we're going to go into chapter 9. So then the Lord said to me, well, when he said to me, he's talking to Moses, do not harass Moab, nor contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given R to the descendants of Lot as a possession. And when I read that, it let me know that, you know, God didn't want the children or the, or the tribe of Egypt interacting with the Moabites. And then later on, just to paraphrase the, you know, because I want to wrap things up, paraphrase things, he also said to him, don't mess with the Amorites. And he said the same thing, for they were descendants a lot. So it was acknowledged already that they were not to interact. And as I, you know, stated earlier, uh, King Solomon thought otherwise. But let's go, you know, let's go. To let you let you know that you know when God God does send our commandments and God does He can correct things, but He gives us a chance to correct things on our own. So it's not all up to you know we can pray to God and we can ask God for help and guidance, but all in all He expects to actually be proactive and actually try to do some things to make sure that we can you know connect things. So in closing, I want to go over to. Um, Matthew twenty eight, nineteen and twenty. So let me grab the Bible. Let me go to Matthew twenty eight, nineteen and twenty. Alright. Nineteen and twenty. Okay. Go therefore go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. I've commanded you, and in I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so that's, you know, that's, that's basically what, you know, to wrap everything up, is that he just want to make sure that, you know, we spread the word, uh, you know, the, the word of Christ. We want to make sure that he wants to make sure that you know we're we're doing our part, you know, and that's where the part of where I say, you know, he wants us to be proactive. He doesn't want us to sit around and say, "Hey, just look at me, I'm a believer in Christ," and just sit there and and, and that's just the way it is. No, he wants us to be proactive. He wants us to make sure that he, he wants us to spread the gospel. He wants us to make sure that we're always having you know, the next one up or the next man up, how you say, you know, you know, you have the, you know, your, you know, the, the followers of Christ and, you know, there's that next one that, that's being groomed, and you know, from when you leave, because we're not all here to be on earth forever. We're, we're all here to spread the gospel and, you know, do the good works that, you know, he needs us to do. Um, so this is, uh, I'm pretty much wrapping up and I hope you, um, Hope you like what was uh, going on. And um, before I close, I just want to let you let everybody know that I'm um, happy to broadcast here. I, I always say that all the time. 
do my show. But um, tomorrow is going to be a special day for me and my wife because uh, our daughter, Shandora's birthday is going to be tomorrow. I'm not going to give her age out, but, you know, we're happy that, you know, she's blessed to see another birthday. Um, Shandora has always been a help for me and my wife. You know, she's always there, you know, for her younger brothers and sisters. And she she's always, you know, she's basically the glue to make sure that, you know, everything's going fine. She's always checking up on everybody, calling everybody, you know, saying I love you. Love you, nephew. Love you. Love you, niece. Love you, sister. Love you, brother. Love you, mom. Love you, dad. Um, so, Shandor has always been a joy from you know the day of her birth to right now, and uh, she still has that smile that's infectious that uh, makes everyone want to smile. So, I will say in advance, Happy birthday, Shandor. I uh, love you. And that being said, I'm just going to close out the show. Um, thank you uh, for joining in, and the guys will God's blessing. I'll join you in another two weeks. Uh, please feel free to share that we're going to be broadcasting tomorrow night at the 8 p.m. hour. Make sure um, that you know the time difference at the 8 p.m. hour. For a little talk with Jesus, hosted by Evangelist Trina Lindsay Harrison. And with that being said, I'm out of here. Peace. Jesus led. He raised me. I will not lose. He saved me. I will not lose. I will not lose. Never wanna see you down, I will not lose.